do I tell my employees? I'm like, I kind of have to be transparent with them as to what's going on. And I've got to be really forthright with them and let them know, like, we can get through this. This is survivable. This is not going to impact us. And it took a lot for me as a business owner. Some things as a type A personality, I had a hard time delegating to begin with. And this forced me to do more delegation and put Mm -hmm. more responsibility on the employees to get things done within the timeframes that I needed. Working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? Between walking those 10,000 steps, hydrating, making plant-based meals for our family, Pinterest-worthy lunches for our kids, spectacular date nights for our husband, and let's not forget, climbing that corporate ladder, we're asked to do these things each and every day. So much so that often it feels like we are trying to balance on the high wire of life. So welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast hosted by me, Rosanna Brary. I'm an immigration lawyer, a mother to a teenage son, a wife, and an entrepreneur who truly believes that working women can have it all. Join me as I interview other high achieving women And together, let's learn about the skills and the fortitude that we need to create the happy, prosperous, and balanced life we so richly deserve. Hello, Highwire Woman. Rosanna Berardi here with a special guest, Christine E.B. Howard. Highwire Women, you know, it's hard. It's really hard being a working woman trying to stay on the highwire of life. All kinds of crazy things coming at you. And our guest today has had an unusually hard journey and has thrived and survived during it. So I welcome Christine Howard. She is the founder and owner of EBH Consulting. Welcome, Christine. Hey, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about what you do every day. I start with breathing. Nice. (laughs) So the meat and potatoes of what I do for business, I'm the founder and CEO of EB Howard Consulting. And We focus on doing three things for our clients. We help our clients find funding. So grants, pitch competitions, accelerators, funding that isn't going to take equity from their business. Second thing we do is help with proposal preparation. So maybe there's some federal grants and what we found for them that they need help with. So we come to the table and we help them submit a high quality competitive application. And then post-award, there's reporting requirements. Did you do what you said you were going to do with the grant dollars you received? And that's really what we do. We help our clients find funding, apply for funding, and then measure the outcomes on the funding. And that's really it. Very simple model that we're following. Our target audience are small businesses, not in the nonprofit space, but the for-profit space that are typically startups that are at the pre-seed or seed stage, and they have a focus on innovation, and they are out to change the world for good, whether it's social, cultural, or environmentally, and that can come in a variety of different ways. You know, maybe they're working on autonomous driving vehicles or battery duration, or maybe it's a medical device. We had one client that's developed a device that Once you're in an emergency room and if you're having a stroke, they can get into your brain in six seconds through your leg. It's insane. What? Yes, it's nuts. Thank Um, God for people like that that do such important work, I'll tell you. get to work with all sorts of like biomedical devices. I have one client here in Western New York 
She's at Deuville College. She's working on skin cancer, early detection of skin cancer with use of AI. It's insane. Incredible. Thank uh, God. Thank God for, for her. Yeah. Researchers, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And we just had a client, as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, focused on immunotherapeutics for her to negative breast cancer. One of the first immunotherapeutics coming out. If everything goes well with the FDA, we'll probably see it out as a standard of care practice in 18 months to two years. Wow. So that's incredible. Stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. So let's talk about the white elephant in the room. You yeah. were diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm sorry to hear about that. It is what it is. So in March of 2021, I went to my annual exam and I almost didn't go because of COVID. <gasps> I was him and Han and my annual exam is usually March-ish anyway. Okay. So you go to the OBGYN and then I go have my annual mammogram and then your pap smears, all of that stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go, COVID, all of that. I was paranoid about, I just, so far, knock on wood, I haven't had COVID and didn't want to deal with it. It was one more doctor's office I would have to go to. And every place I'd been so far, don't get me wrong, everyone has been following state protocols, not Mm -hmm. an issue whatsoever. But I was just like, oh, this is just one more place. And my company is 100% remote base. We've been distributed up and down the East Coast since the day I started. I just interacting in the COVID space made me nervous. And I went to my exam and that's how they found it. I've done breast tissue as most women do. And they did an ultrasound and they couldn't find it in the mammogram, but they found it in the ultrasound. It was so small. It's like 10 millimeters. It was tiny. It's like the width of a fingernail. Uh, and then a series of MRIs and biopsies, we learned it was HER2 positive. And then I started down the journey of, okay, now what do we do? And I went through the ringer with this full six rounds of chemo and immunotherapeutics at the same time. The concern was always, can we stop it dead in the tracks and get it out of my body before it starts marching around? And We knew that surgery wasn't going to be until October, but we had a lot of time to get chemo because that's the standard of care now is chemo before surgery because it takes so long to get surgery scheduled and go through a whole battery of testing. So you do chemo first, immunotherapeutics first, followed by your surgery and then post-immunotherapeutics afterwards for this particular type of cancer that's considered standard of care. Let me just stop you right there. I just want to say a public service announcement to any person listening to this podcast. The mammogram is not always the only test to get. Like Christine said, it happened to me as well. My breast cancer was found on an ultrasound. And like hers, my radiologist said this was like finding a snowflake in a blizzard. Needle in the haystack. By chance, they found it. Always, always ask for an ultrasound. If your insurance doesn't cover it, Who cares? It's not a lot of money. Even if it is. It's worth every penny. It's worth every single piece of mind. Just get it done. Don't rely solely on the mammogram. Mammograms are nice. And now they have 3D mammography, but that's still not enough. It's still not the same. about 10 millimeters and the size of your pinky being able Mm -hmm. to find something that's paper thin otherwise, because it's not like a round ball necessarily. Right. It could be something that's less than one millimeter thin, but yet 10 millimeters flat, like a a flat worm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't have a better way of describing it, but that's what it can look like. 
So always, always, always ask for the combo, ask for the mammogram and the ultrasound. About that. Yeah. And go to your appointments. Go to them. And if people say, oh, you don't need that, say, you know, I really prefer to have that. There's a, I either have dense breast tissue or there's a history of it in my family. Make something up, pay for it, do whatever you have to do. But as these two people on this podcast will tell you, that saved both of our lives, that little ultrasound. That little ultrasound and your age as well. And so I'm 45 and I do have a family history. My mom has had it. And I'm not, this, what I have was not a genetic issue. I've had genetic testing. So this did not come from my mom. And this did not come from my dad's sister, who also had the exact same cancer, her two triple positive. Both of them had it. And both of them got it when they were in their 40s. And it just by chance, that's how it showed up. So as early as you start going for your annual exam, start pressing for mammography, get your mammogram done and get an ultrasound as well. And if you're not happy with the results, there are plenty of places in Western New York and nationwide that'd be more than willing to see you. So if it feels like you're not getting good service, find someplace else and get it done and be persistent. And just remember this, one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, that's alarming. Like think of eight of yes. your friends, right? I mean, one of you will will get it. And if caught early, it's a survivable disease. Absolutely. Um, you know, my oncologist has shared with me, you know, he's been doing breast oncology only for several decades. And he said at the beginning of his career, they had like four therapeutics they could use for treatment. Now they have over 40. Yeah. There's a huge venue of selection of things that will work based upon your blood type and your genetics, what your body will take and your age and your ethnicity. There's a whole bunch of variables that go into play with that. So Christine, you had chemotherapy, immunotherapy, surgery. Yes. And you're a business owner. How the heck did you do that? I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. Honestly, I have an amazing team. My employees were all female firm and there was hesitation initially. So I'll have to say there's a side conversation with this was you're one of the first people I'm having a public conversation about this with. I have not posted anything on Facebook or social media about this. I was nervous about the ramifications that may happen I was worried about what my employees will think. My initial conversation with my husband was, do I tell my employees? I'm like, I kind of have to be transparent with them as to what's going on. And I've got to be really forthright with them and let them know, like, we can get through this. This is survivable. This is not going to impact us. And it took a lot for me as a business owner. Some things as a type A personality, I had a hard time delegating to begin with. And this forced me to do more delegation and put mm-hmm. more responsibility on the employees to get things done within the timeframes that I needed. So it worked out really well. I was very transparent about when my doctor's appointments were, I was transparent about how I was feeling. If I was dead tired, I'm like, you got to take this meeting. I can't sit in this mm-hmm. meeting. I'm going to fall asleep. I'm just fatigued. We just took it one week at a time, one infusion at a time, and just really, really took our time with things. Aside from my team and my friends, my immediate friends that knew what was going on and my family, and of course, my husband, you know, it was just one day at a time. Can I sit upright today? Am I going to throw up? (laughs) Am I going to be in the bathroom? One day at a time, it was just going to the next appointment. What is the next step? Just 
very slow, methodical process of trying to get through that window of when we found out to when I finished up chemo. And that was at the end of the summer, I finished up chemo. And then I had this window of, I had to wait for the surgery because we had wrapped up. Then it was recovery from surgery. And I'll tell you the hardest part was chemo. Surgery was a cakewalk compared to what I'd been through with chemo. I wasn't in any pain. I didn't have any symptoms from the cancer at all. I couldn't feel it. I had no idea. No, that's it was so... nothing. It's not like I had one friend who had cancer two or three years ago and hers was her two negative, triple negative, but hers was calcified and hard and she could feel it in her self-breasting hmm. ham. Hers was just wildly different. And my bigger takeaway from this is everyone's experience and journey. When you find out you have cancer, everyone has different reactions, different ways of handling things, and it's okay. Not one person is going to handle it the same way. Probably the way, Rosanna, the way that you handled yours is probably different than the way I handled mine. It worked out well that summer. Most of my treatment was during the warmer months. Mm -hmm. So I could go for walks. I could be in my pool. I could do things outside. The worst part about being outside is I'm losing my hair through chemo. So I had to like, I had to have a head covering on all the time. I wasn't keen on wearing a wig. Some people mm. want to wear wigs. Right. I was of the mindset, no, this is temporary. I'm not investing in a wig only to have my hair grow back and I'm never going to wear a wig again and then be constantly <laughs> reminded of chemo. That was right. my mindset right. of it. My hair's growing back now. It's super short. I might keep it short and I may never color it again either. I love it. I'm just at the point where like, I used to color my hair all the time and there's nothing wrong. If someone wants to color the hair, please do. But for me, it was just like, I was constantly fighting gray hair, mm-hmm. constantly fighting the gray machine. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? No, I think I'm done having long hair and I think I'm done coloring it. And if it's going to be salt and pepper or gray or whatever, fine. That's right. what it is. And I'm going to own it. And that's where I'm at right now. It's super short. And I, I kind of like it. I kind of like not having to blow up my hair and do the straightener and the whole thing and put product in my hair. Right, right. I to wear long hair. And I was never good at wearing long hair to begin with because I would just like, inevitably, you'd probably see me at dinner meetings. Inevitably, I got my hair up in a taco or, right. or something just because my neck would get hot. I know. It's crazy. The things yeah. we do to ourselves. So that's what happened. And then I had surgery and surgery. I had a partial mastectomy and then I had plastic surgery in the same session. My surgeon was amazing. She answered all of my questions, helped me out every step of the way, just got me through this. She was amazing. I would love to be friends with her, you know, (laughs) as a non-patient provide doctor setting. She was hilarious. She eased my concerns about anything. And then it was road to recovery. And now, right now I'm taking a little pause in my immunotherapy. I have to have some dental work done. Chemo does a number on your teeth. So you got to get extra cleanings and getting that taken care of. And then at the end of this month, I start up with immunotherapies again. I only have 14 left. I go every three weeks. That's that. And then at some point at the end of the summer, I'll be done. And then I can one hundred percent on the other side of this. I'm so looking forward to being on the other side of this. But that's about it. That's where we're at, and 
My business, while all of this is going on, we managed to grow, keep clients, clients got funding, we built funding menus. I can't tell you how many funding menus we did last year, probably 20 or 30 funding menus. Wow. Several proposals went out the door to National Science Foundation and NIH. Is a little bit of a delay in when we find out success from our clients. Mm-hmm. Like we're just hearing right now outcomes from things that we did in 2021. Um, mid-year so there's like this delayed window of like how many clients got funding in 2021 we don't know yet because Mm -hmm. we're just finding out ourselves so yeah and that's really it and then that is all the fun in my neck of the woods well I give you a lot of credit and I admire your ability to keep going I mean a lot of times people say how did you do it and like you said you're like I don't know but I just did it and yeah. you know as entrepreneurs we don't have a choice right you can't be like well I'm going to take a 6 month medical yeah. leave that's you have payroll to make you don't have a say in the matter you got other people's health insurance to pay for and you got to make sure you hit those marks there's no sitting down for this i don't know about you but i found that having work to do is very therapeutic i came back from my surgery a few weeks after i had it Did I work all day, every day? No, but I came into the office. Now, this was obviously not during COVID time, but I came in the office for a couple hours a day, a couple times a week, and it just made me feel normal. It made me feel like, all right, I can't think about this anymore. I've got to think about my employees or cases coming through the door. And work is really helpful. At least to me, when things go wrong, it's a constant and it's something that helps me divert my attention. I have some personal stuff going on. I had to teach a class today at the law school. Mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, I, when my alarm went off, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this today, but I have an obligation to do it. So you know what? I did it. And when I walked out of there, I was like, that was fun. I'm glad I did that. Yeah. You know, but you got out of your house. You got to go do something. I yeah. got to go talk to people and teach them things, things that I'm passionate about. And so often we're like, eh, I just want to stay home. And, and yeah, sometimes you have to, but Mm-hmm. Other times when you're going through a hard time, sometimes just having that distraction of work is the best medicine. And for me, it would totally help my recovery because I always have something to think about. It's a downside of being an entrepreneur. You always have something to think about. Yeah. Worry about. And that kept me busy. That's absolutely true. Because like, <laughs> we're remote based, pretty good remote based. It kept me busy. Like every day I could just go in my office and shut the door and have yes. a couple of hours where I'm functional and look at things and just focus on the business. And my mindset this year for 2022 has been, man, we're coming out swinging because I don't have chemotherapy in my way. Exactly. Uh, and I've got a more of a drive right now. Uh, <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> so during all of that, um, your company started a new product called startupfundhub.com. Yeah. So tell us about that. So COVID happened, obviously. And in the middle, right, I don't want to say in the middle, but right when it was at its, I don't want to say at its peak because I feel like we're at our peak mm-hmm. right now. But yep. back when everything was first happening and the government had funding coming out everywhere about COVID. So it was either to help businesses stay afloat or there was research to help mitigate or stem the tide of COVID or whatever. Every day there were new funding opportunities coming out. And we had started maintaining this blog post of like, this is out, this is out, that's out, this is due then, blah, blah, blah. And it was getting me to be a bit obnoxious because I felt like every day we were putting out blog posts or we were updating older blog posts, like stay tuned, bookmark this page. 
And it was getting to be, I'm not talking 10, 15, I'm talking hundreds upon hundreds wow. of funding opportunities. And I was talking to my team and I'm like, look at, instead of updating this stuff, why don't we just build a database and we'll make it publicly accessible. And we were talking about it and I'm like, all right, we'll do this. And I happen to have from years ago, I thought about having the domain startup fund hub. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I had bought it like, I don't know, five years ago or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? We could just build a database and maybe I should just launch Startup Fund Hub. And maybe we should just build a platform that if you're a small business and you're looking for non-dilutive funding, funding that's not going to take equity, not a loan or anything like that, mm-hmm. grants, pitch competitions, accelerators, tax incentives, everything. Maybe we should launch it in Startup Fund Hub and that's where it should be housed. So it was that March that we were starting to see the funding come through and I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. I'm going to put my efforts into building a subscription platform. And that's how we launched Startup Fund Hub. I think it was halfway through 2020 that we had launched it with, there's the COVID funding database is free. It's publicly accessible. Funding in there right now is dwindling because we haven't seen anything new come to the market in a while, but maybe with this administration, we'll see something. I don't know what we'll see. So we made that public and then everything else is behind a subscription paywall and you can pay monthly or you can pay just one fee and have access all year long. Only thing that's in that database are grants, pitch competitions, accelerators, you name it, for small businesses. Hmm. That's it. There's no nonprofit funding in there. There's nothing mm-hmm. for higher ed in there. Small businesses, you know, if you're looking for grants or anything like that, check out startupfundhub.com. It's one of very few, if none, like there's no other databases out there to my knowledge. That's incredible. And hi, Warrior Woman, just think about this. So many times, you know, when ideas come and go, you say, oh, well, I would do that, but I don't have the time or, oh, it's just not the right time. Right. Christine did not have the right time. There's never the right time. If you wait for the right time, you're going to die waiting because there's always some obstacles, some reason not to do it. And as an entrepreneur and as a working woman, whenever there's an opportunity, you have to capitalize on it. You'll figure it out later. Yeah. But when you see it, you can't keep turning down opportunities. And sometimes they're not convenient, but you know what? Life isn't convenient. Yeah. And I admire that because a lot of people in your shoes, Christine, would be like, well, I could do this, but I'll wait until after, you know, I'm done with my entire breast cancer journey. And you took the bull by the horn and said, nope, there's a need. We're going to put down. this Let's out go. here. Keep my brain busy and I won't have to think about what I'm dealing with. And that's pretty much been my whole mindset since I started in 2013 is how can we do it better? I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel, but how do we make the wheel better? Right. Right. And it's always been the mindset for our company. We need to evolve and not necessarily focused on growth, but how do we evolve in a way that makes us still relevant in this space? And Startup Fund Hub was the next evolution of that uh, and allowed us to stay relevant. That's great. Christine, if listeners want to find out more about you, where should they look? Well, you can find me at ebhoward.com. If you can find Christine E.B. Howard, just Googling Christine E.B. Howard, mm-hmm. you can find me. We're well-branded, so anything E.B. Howard Consulting is us for sure. And you can get right to Startup Fund Hub right from our main webpage, but you can also just Google startupfundhub.com or type that in your web browser and you'll, it'll pop up right away for you. 
Well, Christine, I wish you nothing but the best health. And I'm glad that most of this journey is behind you. Almost there. Just a few more things to do. Yeah. yeah the ugly stuff fun. is in the rearview mirror. The hard part's done. Right? Yep. All right. So thank you so much. It was great for you to be here and for inspiring us. And Highwire Women, stop making excuses. Get organized. Put one foot forward and walk on that highwire. Till the next time, we'll chat soon. Thank you for listening to the Highwire Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or others, I hope you'll share it with a friend so together we can all stand that high wire of life. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode and follow us on social media at High Wire Woman for more information. Until next time, I'm Rosanna Berardi. Be sure to stay on that high wire of life.